It's a new day. Yes, it is. The Back Row Morning Show. The Back Row Baptist Podcast. The Morning Side Hug. The Back Row with Matt and Mo. He's Matt. I'm Mo. We're just like, hey, we got microphones. You're tuned in to the Back Row Rewind. The best of Matt and Mo. Welcome to Back Row Rewind, taking a deep dive into the archives of the Back Row Morning Show. Today we're going even further than the morning show, back to the Back Row Baptist Podcast, with a special episode on adoption with adoptive parents, Kevin and Kara Wellborn. It's quite the interesting discussion, especially if you don't know anything about adoption and what that process is like. But first, we start with a game. tuned in to the Back Row Baptist Podcast, the official podcast of the Back Row, backrowonline.com. I'm your host, Matt Coker, and sitting next to me today is Kevin Wellborn. Hey. And Kara Wellborn. Hey. Today we're talking about adoption. November was National Adoption Month, so we're a little bit late to the party, but this is still an important topic we want to touch on today. Kevin and Kara are adoptive parents and know all about the process, and we hope we can shed some light on the ins and outs of the adoption process and maybe some of the tougher questions, too. Uh, We're also going to hear some featured music from Leading Light in a few minutes, but before we do any of that, we're going to play a little game of Adoption Trivia Time. (laughs) Of course... (laughs) There's nothing trivial about adoption. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, when it comes to the ins and outs of the actual process, you two probably have all the knowledge in the world. But today, I thought I'd test your knowledge on some national adoption statistics, and we could dispel some adoption misconceptions in the process. So I've got three questions here, and you each have a sheet of paper to write your answers. Whoever is closest to the correct answer gets the point. First to two points wins. Sound good? Yes. Yeah. All right. Now, since Chris Oaks is our undisputed back row champion, this game is just for fun. Are you both ready? Let's I dispute that he's the champion. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play adoption trivia time. Woo! All right. Uh, question number one. There's a misconception that children who are adopted are unhappy to be adopted children, as if they feel less like a real child for the adoptive parent. However, statistics show that what percentage of adopted children ages five or older have positive feelings about their adoption? We're looking for a percentage number. A percentage number. Okay. They'll all be that way. Okay. Nailed it. All right. Kevin, what'd you say? 87%. 87%. Kara? 78%. 78%. Kevin gets the point. Yeah! It is actually 90% of adopted uh, children ages five and older have that, positive feelings. I nice. knew that, but I didn't want to show off. <laughs> you didn't want to be too on the Yeah, I didn't want to be on the money. <laughs> it looks suspicious. All right. So Kevin has one point. Second question. Another misconception about adoption is that a large amount of adoptive parents never tell their child that they are adopted at all. In actuality, what percentage of adopted children ages five or older know that they were adopted? Gosh. Know that they are? Mm -hmm. Okay. As in we're told by their parents. All right, Kevin, what'd you get? I got 81%. 81%. Kara? 78%. <laughs> Kevin, once again, yeah. it's a point. <laughs> this might surprise you. It's 99%. Wow. Well, yeah, now that, now that I think about it, that's true. Right. That's true. All right, so Kevin officially wins, but let's do this last Ooh. one anyway. <laughs> 
One misconception is that uh, pfft, one misconception is about the care adoptive children receive, where many believe that they are not as healthy as non-adopted children. But statistics show that what percentage of adopted children are rated to have excellent or very good health? Hmm. What's the percentage of non-adopted kids that have I'll get excellent? to that. Oh, to okay. That okay. Oh. <laughs> Answer the question, Kevin. All right. What percentage have excellent? What's, what health? percentage of adopted children are rated to have excellent or very good health? Okay. We'll go eighty-eight percent. 88% Karen? 97%. 97%. Kevin gets this point too. What? Yeah. It's uh, 85%. Yes. Which might sound slightly lower than desired, but it's actually higher than the national average of non-adopted children, which is at 82%. Oh. <laughs> That's our game, our winner today, Kevin Wellborn. Yes. I want a belt. <laughs> so now that we got a few misconceptions out of the way, let's talk a little bit about your adoption. Okay. Uh, now, almost seven years ago, you yes. adopted a newborn baby girl, correct? Yes. Now, what made you all decide to adopt to begin with? Um, well, you know, it's something that we both have always kind of had in the back of our minds growing up. You know, I mean, I mean, remember as a small child thinking um, that one day I might would like to do that. You know, I've already was familiar with adoption, not knowing necessarily anybody that did adopt, but, you know, through the church and the missions and everything that we were involved with, I knew a little bit about it, you know, and then, um, so I just always thought it would be a, a neat thing to do one day when I was married, hmm. and then when I met Kevin, of course, he could fill you in a little bit more, I learned that his oldest brother had been adopted. Right, you already have a connection yes. to adoption. Sure. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've grown up with it. It's been very normal, uh, and to the to the point where our experience, and this is probably jumping the gun on some future questions today, but um, it was so normal that we don't ever consider uh, our daughter or my brother, I don't ever even think about right. the fact we that I'm not biologically related to them right. because it is such a a normal thing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know if I ever really considered or look forward to adoption as a kid, like Kara said. Of course, you know, little boys have little different dreams. <laughs> I wanted to be an astronaut and play in the NFL. And, uh, I wanted to be an astronaut yeah. linebacker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, those, that didn't work out, obviously. But, um, you know, probably seriously, uh, as an older teenager and college student, of course, Kara and I started dating in college, uh, I thought, man, this is something that we need to, that I, or, or I, before I even knew Kara, mm -hmm. at least consider seriously. Yeah. Hmm. Now, you can't just walk into a hospital and pick up a baby and walk out, right? Yeah. You had to go through some sort well, of agency. You, you can. <laughs> but, but, but it's frowned upon. Yeah, they'll come looking for you. Yes, very highly. You know, um, it, just to jump in the gun probably, too, about the whole experience at the hospital, but a lot of hospitals now... They will put a security band on the newborn, mm. and um, and it actually they did for when Bonnie was born. She had a security band, and anytime she was out in the hall, like going back from the nursery to the um, birth mother's room, mm -hmm. the the doors would lock, so you could not leave the birthing center. Mm. Mm -hmm. So if somebody were to pick up a child and they had these security bands on, they would be locked in, and you know. No way, no. It's terrifying that we need something like that. Well, it is but. terrifying. But. And, and you can, just to answer your question with a, with a boring legal yeah, answer, yeah. 
you can just go through a lawyer. Yes. You don't have to go through an agency. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cheaper, it. a little less protection in a lot of ways, yeah. too. Uh, so I wouldn't advise that. But, but y'all did use an agency. We yes. actually did yeah. use an agency. Yeah. So how, how did you choose an agency? How does that work? Well, we looked at a bunch, and, mm -hmm. and initially... We were looking at international adoption mm -hmm. because that sounds so exotic, you know, to adopt a kid from Russia or China mm -hmm. or Africa. And, yeah. and those are great things. Yeah. And we went to a meeting or two at different uh, places. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then one day, I don't remember exactly how it happened. But I grew up in uh, in Mount Pleasant, Texas, and of course Carol was in uh, Hallsville. But my grandmother, for years, had given money to a place called the Texas Baptist Home in Waxahachie, and Carol and I talked about adoption and even gone to a couple of these meetings. And then one day I was like, oh, you know what? We ought to consider the Texas Baptist Home because mm -hmm. I, I had always been aware of it, but for some reason we hadn't yeah. thought of it. With thought of it, <clears throat> and uh, we. Whatever the first steps we took, we, we well, you, felt pretty confident that was the right place. You just had me call, you know, just to talk to whoever was in charge of the adoption stuff. And so I, I just called just to chit-chat, just to kind of get the Can feel. Can I have a baby? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got any babies over there? <laughs> well, just, just to kind of see what, what we needed to do first and everything. And, you know, and then one of the one of the concerns, which is, I know is probably something we'll talk about, was the financial aspect. You know? Well, yeah, actually, that's my it's, next question. Oh, okay. is, is it expensive? I've heard a lot of well, people Well, you know, when we that. were looking into the um, international adoptions, we were just kind of blown away because it's like $40,000 or, or more Good to, to go through this process. And we were just thinking, you know, I was still was a full-time student and worked part-time at our church. And, that's, that's a year's and, salary. Yeah, well, and then Kevin, you know, is, is a youth minister, and, um, you know, I know how that youth ministers don't make a lot of money. <laughs> Let's just say it. Let's yeah. just lay it out. Youth ministers get well, paid bupkis. I, I called the Texas Baptist home, and I, I think I talked to Jamie. Um, Probably. Okay. And I just told her, I said, look, my husband's a youth minister, and I'm a full-time student. We don't make a lot of money. And she stopped me. And she told me, she said, look, we're, we're not in the business of making money. We're in the business of making families. Mm -hmm. And that just, to me, it sold me right then, you know, that they, they cared about making families over making the big bucks, mm -hmm. you know. And I, we just knew from that moment on that we were going to go through the own. Yeah. yeah. So, so comparatively, money-wise, yeah. forty thousand compared to roughly. Okay. Like, yeah. If you adopt domestically, <clears throat> which is what we did. Yeah. Right. You're gonna look at at least if you go to an agency, you're gonna look at 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 least most of the time like fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand. That's a radical difference. Uh, ours was a hair cheaper because they do a a scale according to your how much money you make. Hmm. Now, they have to get a certain amount or they would cease to function. Right. I mean, right. And, and that makes a lot of sense. But um, there's, they had a, a base amount that it would be, but they also had a cap that it would never yes. be more. And I think theirs is never more than 20. Mm. Of course, this is also seven years ago right. almost. So don't, don't, don't quote me on those numbers if you, if you go there. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that either Jamie or Jessica, I don't think it was Nikki, but uh, those are the three ladies we work with the most. But one of them said... Um, because my primary concern, to be honest, initially was finances. Yeah. You know, how are we even going to do this? You know, pay for it and then pay to have I a kid. I just didn't care anymore. I just wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the ladies at the Texas Baptist home said, well, you know, most of the people that you encounter every day drive a car that's more expensive than an adoption. Yeah. Hmm. And I was like, oh. 
Which is so true. I don't know if we did at the time, but I was... It's a good perspective. It's a good perspective. Most people really do. Yeah, I felt guilty, but it was a good kind of guilt. The Bible says uh, godly sorrow leads to repentance. (laughs) (laughs) So I I got over that hurdle pretty quickly. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, of course, all the the money came together and all that. So did y'all cover all the costs yourself? Yeah, okay. So... I was the youth minister there at South Jefferson and Mount Pleasant, which is a very giving church. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, just fantastic people. And they, behind our back, uh, in a good way, uh, took up Bunny for us. And so the first Sunday we were at church after Bunny was born, uh, they gave us a check. And uh, not for the whole amount, but pretty close to half. Yeah. And so that was great and overwhelming, and and I wasn't expecting it, but after they handed it to me, I wasn't surprised because of things they had done in the past for people. Um, And then uh, the next Thursday, which was payday, uh, Nancy, our financial secretary, handed me two checks. One was my regular paycheck, and the other one was a check for money people had donated because they had to keep it so secretive because a lot of my family and close friends go to that church. Yeah. Um, they kind of kept it really close to the chest, but people that didn't even know we were doing that or that the church was doing that donated money after the fact. After that, the fact, yeah. and so that amount definitely got us to the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, pretty awesome. Yeah, and we had an agreement with a local bank, basically got a loan. Uh, it's good to know people, you know. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, the finances really came together and were never really a stressful part of it after it happened. Probably one of the easier aspects of it. Yeah, so so it got taken care of. And if anybody's listening to this and is uh, considering adoption, be aware of the adoption tax credit the next year when you file your taxes is extremely helpful. Yes. and I don't want to put out specific numbers because it will um, it'll change case to case, but right. um, it'll be a large help. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it really will be. Yeah. Can't say it will cover your adoption costs. It was well, it was a huge blessing for us. It'll put a huge end. it'll put a huge dent. Yeah. In them. Yes. All right. So. Your adoption is something called an open adoption. Yes. What is that exactly, and why did y'all choose to go that route? It was not what we we, we chose um, in the beginning. They they have several <clears throat> several forms. They they have one called a closed adoption, which is there is it's just it's closed case. You know there there's no chance the the birth mother doesn't we don't is it we don't even know who the birth mother is. Right. You don't know names. And she or knows nothing about us. Side. You hmm. know. Um, and then they have uh, a semi-open. Semi, semi-open, semi-open, which is you have a little bit of contact. I think they know we know names and things, but that's about it. Mm. Uh, the open adoption, really, they kind of just leave it up to the birth mother and the, the adoptive parents. And as to how much as contact, to how much contact yeah. and how much information you want each other to have. Well, we, we have a, a pretty darn good relationship with Bonnie's uh, um, birth mother, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. in the, especially in the first few years, we saw her quite a bit, hmm. you know, we would, we would take Bonnie down to where she was and, um, you know, we just hung out for a couple hours and let her have some time to hang out with Bonnie, you know, to see how she's growing. And then, um, we would meet them in the Dallas area. We, I think we went to the Arboretum one mm-hmm. time and, went to the zoo yeah. and just hmm. spent some time, you know, texting, um, 
I don't have Facebook anymore, but Kevin and she are still Facebook friends. And so he actually messaged her when we had Bonnie's first um, parent-teacher conference to let her know how brilliant our daughter is. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I mean, it's it's been a little harder since we've come to New Mexico with with keeping up um, visiting. Right. You know, so we do what we can. But, you know, the open adoption, it's really... Mm-hmm. It's been a huge blessing to us. Now, it wasn't what we chose at first. I think we were kind of leaning towards closed or semi-open um, because we just weren't sure. It kind of was unnerving a little bit, I guess, to us to know that... Yeah, you hear horror stories, which actually hardly ever happen, if ever. Yeah. You know, that, that uh, you know, a biological parent will change their mind and, mm-hmm. you know, want to Like long after the fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. come steal yeah. the baby yeah. and like, all yeah. those type of things or the, or the child. And, and that never happens. No. I mean, you know, I would guess nine times out of ten in these cases where if, if a young lady is responsible enough and loves that child enough to make that difficult decision, you know, they're going to... They follow, yeah, they're going to follow through yes. with it for the rest of, the, of time. But, yeah, they talked us into the open adoption, really. And well, they it, convinced us, you know, that it really wasn't what we were conceiving it to be. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah, they really had to dispel a lot of <laughs> misconceptions about it. Right. Because you hear all kinds of horrible things that really don't ever happen. But then they also told us after everything was said and done that they were just shocked by the relationship that we have with... With, with Bonnie's birth mom. They, mm-hmm. they say they, they almost never see that kind of relationship. Mm. It's just, it's been really good, mm. you know? Well, with talking about the birth mother, uh, I can imagine this leading up to the birth was very emotional for her. Oh, goodness, yeah. How long does she actually have to decide whether or not she's going to go through with it? I mean, were you nervous that she was going to back out at the last sure. minute or something yeah. like that? Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but there is a certain time period. Um, I think if it's like a, a normal vaginal delivery, sorry, yeah. it's like 24 hours after the <laughs> How fact. dare you use a, <gasps> a, a bodily <laughs> medical term? But, but we... Um, is it that long? I think it's 24 oh, that, hours. That sounds right. And then we had to have an emergency C-section. Bonnie was stuck. She had us a big head. Um, <laughs> but I think after, if they give the... Um, the medicine, the epidural, they usually allow them 48 hours just to make sure there's nothing in their system so they can make sure that they have a, a clear... So she, can, so she can still wait until after the birth to decide yes. whether or not yes. it's going to happen. She oh, okay. had a little bit of time to decide for sure. Okay. Yeah. Now, this yeah. is in Texas? I don't know about how Seven it years yeah, ago, right. so, right. I mean, laws are different mm-hmm. everywhere, but... Okay. Yeah, just a short amount of time, but then after that, I mean, there is absolutely... Nothing legally for the birth mom uh, mm-hmm. to pursue um, at that point. Then you do have a six-month period, again, in Texas, where it uh, <laughs> it's not really a probation period, but it, nothing's a official official until after six months. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not going to—no agency's going to change their mind. The state of Texas isn't going to change right. their mind. It's just, I think, a legal thing. Yeah, right, right, right. And then they have the adoption finalization mm-hmm. and— and uh, of course, ours was in August of 2010. August 25th, 2010. Oh, there you go. Wow. Is the official day. And you go, uh, you go ring the bell there in Waxahachie, and uh, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, I got a few more questions about the process and uh, these last nearly seven years, but let's take a quick break right now. 
Like the man said, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the final part of this interview with Kevin and Kara Wellborn over the process of adoption. Stick around. You're listening to the Back Row Rewind, the best of Matt and Moe. Walls or bridges? Believe it or not, every day we're building one of two things, walls or bridges. In our relationships and with the people we encounter, our interactions and the words we choose are important, probably far more important than we care to realize. It's no secret that the person we are today is different from the person we were a year ago or 10 years ago. As is the same, the Christian we are today is not the same as the one we once were. As we grow in our relationship with Christ, our convictions grow. Things we once found acceptable may now be non-negotiable for us. But let us not forget that as we grow and our personal convictions are growing, those around us probably are not growing at the same pace. After all, our relationship with God is individual and unique. So of course, there will be times where our convictions are as well. When you find yourself in conversation with someone about the God who loves them enough to pay the penance for their sin once and for all, be cautious to not place condemnation where empathy should be. As we share our hearts with those around us, our stance should always be one that allows for others to cross over into the same forgiveness we've accepted. When we make bold, defined lines around our relationship with Christ, it makes it more difficult for non-believers to find their way over. Sometimes, without even realizing it, we seclude ourselves from the very people who need us or who we need most. Be aware of your words, aware of your personal convictions, and aware of the structure you're building. Are you building a wall around yourself, making it impossible for others to access grace? Or are you building a bridge for them to cross through into everlasting life? This week in nerd history, computing becomes personal. Prior to the 1980s, IBM had largely been known as a provider of business computer systems. As the 1980s opened, their market share in the growing mini-computer market failed to keep up with competitors, while other manufacturers were beginning to see impressive profits in the microcomputer space. The market for personal computers was dominated at the time by Tandy, Commodore, and Apple, whose machines sold for several hundred dollars each and had become very popular. The microcomputer market was large enough for IBM's attention. IBM had previously produced microcomputers such as the 1975 IBM 5100, but targeted them towards businesses. The 5100 had a price tag as high as $20,000, far outside a standard home's budget. The design process was kept under a policy of strict secrecy, with none of the other IBM divisions knowing what was going on. After settling on the Intel 8088 CPU to build around, the motherboard was designed in just 40 days. A working prototype was created in four months and demoed in January of 1981. Manufacturing began that April, and on August 12, 1981, IBM debuted the first PC, selling for $1,565. Reception was overwhelmingly positive, with sales estimates from analysts suggesting billions 
millions of dollars in sales over the next few years, and the IBM PC immediately became the talk of the entire computing industry. Dealers were overwhelmed with orders, including customers offering prepayment for machines with no guaranteed delivery date. By the time the machine was shipping, the term PC was becoming a household name. Sales exceeded IBM's expectations by as much as 800%, shipping 40,000 PCs a month at one point. However, almost as soon as the PC reached the market, rumors of clones began, and the first PC-compatible clone was released in June of 1982, less than a year after the PC's debut. Because the IBM PC was based on commodity hardware rather than unique IBM components, and because its operation was extensively documented by IBM, creating machines that were fully compatible with the PC offered few challenges other than the creation of a compatible BIOS ROM. Simple duplication of the IBM PC BIOS was a direct violation of copyright law, but soon into the PC's life, the BIOS was reverse engineered by companies like Compaq, Phoenix Software Associates, America Megatrends, and Award, who either built their own computers that could run the same software and use the same expansion hardware as the PC, or sold their BIOS code to other manufacturers who wished to build their own machines. The clone market eventually became so large that it lost its association with IBM's original, and the term PC became a set of de facto standards established by various hardware manufacturers. But for more than a year, IBM was the king of the PC and is largely credited for the idea of having a computer in your home. Think of where we'd be without it. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Welcome back to the Back Row Rewind, where we are taking a deep dive back to even before the morning show, the Back Row Baptist podcast, where we had guests Kevin and Kara Wellborn on to discuss the process of adoption. It's very informative, a lot of good information here, especially if that's something that you're considering in your future. Let's dive right back into that interview. We're talking about the truth of the adoption process with Kevin and Kara Wellborn. Uh, we were talking about some of the ins and out of the process, but um, let's focus on a few other aspects here. Now, to get approved to even be adoptive parents, you had to pass a home study process, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. yes. So what does that entail? How long does that take? Um, well, as far as the... They come to your house and interview you, which can take a couple or three hours, yes. if I remember correctly. Yes. But they will ask you all kinds of questions. Very personal questions. Yeah, that maybe you, you don't want to answer or haven't even thought about. They ask your friends and family very personal questions yes. about you, too. Yeah, they do. They, yes, do. they do. They ask friends and family. And, of course, you got to be super honest on yeah, those things. And, and they're not looking to disqualify you. But they, you know. And I understand they want to be careful about who they're allowing this child to go home with right. for the rest of their life. But uh, they do that, and then uh, it has to get approved by who, I'm not sure. And at that point, now you're legally waiting to yeah. adopt at that at that point. But it, it, it can be a lengthy process waiting for the, you know, getting started with them coming and interviewing until it actually gets approved. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, is, what would they sell? It's like, was it four months that it could take to get the whole thing approved? Maybe. Or, I don't It's several weeks at least. Yeah, so. I mean, it may not be four months, but yeah. it was, it, you know, you don't just have the home study and, and stamp to get approved. <laughs> it, it can be, it can be a yeah. lengthy process. Okay, so beginning to end. Okay. When you first walk into or contact the agency, 
through the end of that six month period or before it's official? How long does that process take? Um, at least for y'all. Well, <laughs> to call, okay, you're talking about from the initial call Kara made. Yeah. To say, hey, can we have a baby? To <laughs> to the Bonnie home. To the home study being approved. No, to to after you bring Bonnie home and the six month period you were talking about okay. and okay. all that, where it's official, finally, 100 percent. Your family, nothing's ever going to change that. Oh, man, I don't remember how long ours was. Well, they, they ours told us. Ours was really quick. They, they told us to not expect anything, I don't think, for at least six months after to a the, year. After the home after study. After the home study mm. for a placement, mm. like for a child to be placed with you. You know, of course, we took we took Bonnie home from the hospital. Right. Ours um, they, they, they really told us not to share with a lot of people <laughs> because ours took four months ah. from the initial call to when Bonnie, Bonnie was brought home. So y'all just, so hit, y'all just hit all green lights, we, then, it seems we, like. Well, I mean, it was God. Yeah, I mean, from, he, from when Bonnie was brought home, but for us to have been selected was just really a matter of weeks. A, a, a couple weeks, weeks. at the most. We, we, we got our home study done, and I think within two weeks we got the call. Mm. Yeah, I always laugh when I think about it because... Bonnie's birth mom uh, selected us because we had to show like a photo album and all of that of our family and everything. Letters to had to write a letter, and she said the first reason she picked us was because I used good grammar <laughs> and, and spelled well That's in our exactly letter. What she said, which you know, do it right, kids, and uh, good things will happen to you. But I always thought I should, that was I should good. interject the yeah. clip I have recorded of him saying very deeper. <laughs> Yeah. Very deeper. The one, the one, the one thing I've mis- <laughs> misspoken in hundreds of public speaking. If you're wanting to know, like exactly how long it took from when we first called to when um, we went before the lawyer and had it assigned that she yeah. was officially, it took um, maybe a little, a little less than a year. From beginning to end, then. But you're saying typically it could take. Typically, probably take longer, two years. Two years yeah, yeah, I'd say typically Maybe two, two years. Is yeah. Dumb, well, it just average. was. Um, I mean, it, the, the timing was just right for mm. us. You know, I mean, I always believe in God's timing, and I think He was just like, okay. Well, they, you know, I mean, yeah. this could be another podcast. We we struggled a little bit with infertility mm. on my my half, um, and uh, you know, the, one of the other reasons why we really pushed for adoption was I was just sick and tired of not being a mom. <laughs> I just told him, I said, you know what? Let's, she let's just. Me we already knew we wanted to do. We wanted to pursue adoption anyway. So I'm like, why why put it off any longer? We we both want to be parents. Mm. Let's just go for it. And obviously, that's what we were supposed to do because Bonnie was in our laps. Literally within four months of the whole process. Wow. So. Yeah, uh, man, I, I don't remember the exact time of year that we contacted them, but it, it was it very fast. quick. And it was so quick that when they called us, um, they said, Hey, is Kara with you? They called my cell phone. I said, No. And so they f- figured out a way to do three-way call. And, I think we figured uh, there was some kind of issue. With yeah, the, yeah. It was so <laughs> it was so soon after the home study approval that I thought there was a Did piece of paper. Did you know you all have warrants out for your <laughs> 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 I thought it was something along those lines where we forgot to fill out paperwork or they forgot to do something and they're like, hey, y'all have been selected. It's a girl. Yeah, like, and I didn't, I didn't know what to say because I was not we expecting that. We just kind of sat there. Well, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Now, Bonnie is what's often called a transracial adoption. 
where okay. parents adopt a child of a different race. Yes. Okay. Uh, you being white, Bonnie is biracial. Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I know it's 2016, and we're supposed to be above this kind of thinking. But has this ever brought about negativity from from others outside sources? Any kind of prejudice? Not that I've known about, anyway. Uh, you know, they prepared us to, you know, be ready for dumb questions yeah. and strange looks in public and all of those type of things. But I haven't noticed that much no. at all, uh, or any at all, to be honest. Nobody has said anything to me that I would consider offensive or, yeah. or anything. Now, there might have been a few ignorant questions, and I don't mean that the person asking was ignorant. It's just they were uninformed and truly right. wanting to know an answer. Yeah. Um, but, no, that hasn't been a... A deal at all in our experience. I think some people are even surprised when we even mention that she is biracial mm. <laughs> because she's, you know, if I tan in the summertime, <laughs> I'm just saying our, our skin tone is very similar, you know, and my hair is curly when I don't straighten it. So and, and I, I mean, have the, just com- the skin tone of, uh, of a vampire of Larry so. Bird. <laughs> I was going to say Larry Bird, but <laughs> Irish vampire. <laughs> no, we really, we really have not run into any kind of issues. Like I said, most people are shocked or surprised. Let's see. They, okay. they don't, they just don't know. You know, they just didn't know. Right. And I've even had the question, <laughs> even coming here, um, oh, I just thought she was yours, talking to me, from another marriage. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your husband died or something. No, no. (laughs) Well, and that's just because, you know, if you don't know... Yeah. yeah, and you're you not make, super close to somebody. It's right. hard to ask that it, yes, question. It is. You know, what's it the is. deal? So the answer is no. We really haven't. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing bad that, at all. No, none at all. Not even <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. So Bonnie is nearly seven now. Yes. Uh, and she's aware she's adopted. Yes. yes. Uh, when did she become aware of that? Is is I, I, you said you've you've been having regular meetings with the birth mother. But when did she actually become aware that she was an adopted child, and how did that go? Or was it something that she just kind of always knew? Um, we never really kept it hidden, necessarily. No. I think she was five, four, four, or, five. four or five. Yeah, we sat down, and we just, you know, I've always fantasized about how we would do this and all this. And I just kind of told her sort of in a story format about um, a mommy and a daddy who really wanted a baby and how God listened to their prayers and brought them a baby. Mm. And, you know, I mean, we, we talked about Nat, uh, her birth mom, and um, she knows she knows her birth mom's name. She knows if I show her pictures, she, she knows that that is her birth mom, that we are mommy and daddy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, she really, at this point, she doesn't really talk about it a whole lot unless we bring it up. Hmm. Yeah, she's accepted it. Yeah, it might. But she accepted it as facts so easily because she was young, mm-hmm. which I, you know, at this point, I think is very wise. Yeah. Because if you wait until she's twelve or thirteen, you know, you might get. Yeah, a little, that's that's identity crisis time right. already. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. Most teenagers, yeah, you might yeah. get some some lashing out at yeah. that point, but it was just. It's just almost as if we were telling her something like, hey, tomorrow we're going to go to the grocery store. And that was it. And then hmm. she would say, oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. And we've, yeah. every now and then, uh, we'll broach the subject and just say, just use that term or something. Just, I don't know. I guess it's important to me that she still re- remembers well, I mean, that and knows that. It is a part that. of her. You know? yeah. Yeah, it's something that we don't want her to um, forget or mm. push, to the, push to the side, you know, um, and maybe, and maybe once 
she met a friend somewhere that was also adopted. And uh, oh, well, we she talked about really her uncle cool. Bobby, you know. Yeah, right, right. With yeah. my brother, but but uh, there was another case too, and I don't remember what the details were. But she said, "Hey, so and so is adopted too," and you know, and, and it was a positive thing. Hmm. You was know. adopted, huh? If you're gonna say it, it was. <laughs> grammar, okay, grammar king. She was. Right, <laughs> right, right. She's right. no longer. She's uh, ours. <laughs> sure, but anyway, yeah. Uh, no, it was, it's been good, and it is important to, to yeah. talk about those things. And like the game we played, what was it, 99% of the kids are aware of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I can think of very few instances where it's not <laughs> healthy uh, to let them know that. Yeah. You know. Um, but even on the way here to do the podcast, we said, hey, we're doing a uh, podcast on adoption today. And, oh, okay. You know, I mean, it's just... Well, and I did a sermon a few mm-hmm. weeks ago with and on, she sat about adoption, and Bonnie was in there the whole time. And yeah. I remember, I think last year you spoke a little bit about it, too, and we have some, some good friends. Um, the, the boys are super protective over the girls. They, they, those are like their little sisters. Hmm. And one of them went home and was crying and told his mama, I am so mad at Pastor Kevin. <laughs> about adoption right in front of Bonnie, you know, thinking that she didn't even know. So, so his mother told him, his mother told him, she she knows about it. But Pastor Kevin wasn't being ugly. Um, she, she knows That's her awesome. story, but no, I thought it was so cute that, that she had some friends that were protecting her because her mean old daddy was talking about it in front of everybody. Yeah. So, but yeah, it doesn't bother her one bit. She just, no. it's part of her story. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you've had another daughter since adopting mm-hmm. Bonnie, yes. um, this one in which you are her biological parents. Yes. Uh, so having had both experiences, I'm willing to bet some people believe that you would have a closer connection with your biological daughter, especially you, Kara, since you carried the right. child for nine months. Yes. So have either of you found that to be the case? Absolutely not. No, not even close. No. Bonnie Bonnie is, is our first baby. She was my firstborn. You know, I mean, she she may not have, um, we, we call her our, our heart baby, you know, instead of our tummy baby or whatever. But, you know, she may, well, I may not have carried her biologically, but when when we saw her at the hospital, dang it, Matt, here they come. <laughs> dang it, here come the tears. <laughs> when we saw her at the hospital, we knew she was ours. Yeah. You know, the first time we held her, we knew that this was our first baby. This was mm-hmm. our daughter. You know, and there, like, like we've said before, there's just... We forget half the time that we even went through that because she's our girl, you know. She's mm-hmm. our in the in their uh, her little sister, Hannah. You know, she doesn't know any difference. That's her sister, and yeah. Bonnie was the same way when Hannah was born. It didn't matter to her that that she's biologically came from my body. You know that mm-hmm. that is her baby sister. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so it's just it's not been an issue, and there is no difference to me. You know, you you were asking me if there was any difference because I carried Hannah. Not one bit. Not yeah, one bit. yeah. The connection is the same, and they told us that. I mm-hmm. mean, at the adoption agency, that that uh, we'd be surprised mm-hmm. at how you can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Of course, we took their word for it because right. Hannah wasn't born yet. Well, we didn't know that Hannah was going to even happen. Even happen. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. But I've I've talked to a young man who had a son, a biological son, and uh, you know, and, and some guys are. You know, love their their newborn babies and everything as much as anybody, but they don't feel a close connection because an infant doesn't respond mm-hmm. to you when you talk, and uh, they can't communicate. And so this guy was really concerned with not feeling a connection to his biological kid, 
you know, and I was like, man, what, that takes time, mm-hmm. you know, just familiarity and, and you know, we'll both grow together in a lot of ways and, and you'll connect. But for uh, the only reason, the only difference really between Hannah and Bonnie, uh, for me, especially when they were kids, is I was just a little more prepared for a for a baby when Hannah was born well, because we had gone through <laughs> yeah. gone through it with Bonnie, but it had nothing to do with adoption versus right. biological. Yeah. I mean, not even close. Well, they even warned me that the ladies did that um, even adoptive mothers can have some form of postpartum depression hmm. because you know you're you're gearing up with this baby just because I didn't carry her. But then when you get this child, all these, it's its just true. I mean, you, you still get all these hormones raging and everything. And <laughs> it right. did. I did. I did go through some form of postpartum depression because you're still having a newborn who's up all night long crying and screaming for food and being changed and being cuddled and all this stuff. And so I, um, it was hard. <laughs> is that depression or is that just uh, being a tired parent? No, well, no. Uh, there, there was definitely some kind of, of uh, postpartum depression there. All right. Well, anyway, the whole thing, what's, what's the most memorable thing about the whole process for both of you? One of the ones that I was thinking of when we were coming up with these questions was the the, the, the uh, copious amounts of snow <laughs> oh, that yeah. we had to drive through, which never happens in East Texas, um, and driving down a little back road that Kevin thought we were supposed to take that happened to be a dirt road Scenic route. in the snow and me thinking, oh my goodness, we're never going to get there. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. You're on the way to the hospital? <laughs> on the way to the hospital, yes. They said, come on. She was being induced and um, terrified that we weren't even going to get there. And then in the morning of the um, induction, is that what you call it, I guess? <laughs> the uh-huh. inducement? <laughs> Induciosity? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Um, our car being completely frozen at the, at the hotel. And Kevin being out there in the wee hours of the morning trying to defrost it and get us out of the Yeah, we were trying to get out of the parking lot at like 6 or 7 in the morning. Oh, it was horrible. And it snowed 14 inches. Oh, uh, Which is very rare for where we were. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, Bonnie was born, you know, we were probably caring more so than I, but we're worried that we weren't going to get there in mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So that's 6 or 7 in the morning, and Bonnie was born right after midnight. 12.35. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so we were okay. Yeah, when I was on that dirt road, that was the day before yeah, yeah, all yeah, that of that. Dirt, so that we, had, we were okay. We got there, but I was so stressed out. But I think the, the most memorable thing, I guess, was when they... they um, they brought her. We were in the the waiting room. You know, we couldn't be in the, mm-hmm. the um, operating room. And they brought her to the window, and she was just the most beautiful baby, hands down, I have <laughs> ever seen. And people will tell you that she was the most beautiful yeah, baby ever. Yeah, so I'm not just people. saying that, but yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just just knowing that we <laughs> we have. The cutest, on record, <laughs> Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records, <laughs> cutest baby ever. We'll show you pictures, you will agree. No, just just knowing how long we have waited for that moment and didn't actually see her and know that that's our baby. <laughs> oh, it was the coolest yeah. feeling in the well, world. And I remember that day, because we were literally there all day, like I said, dig, dig out of the snow early in the morning. She was one after midnight. <laughs> because of the storm, this was a smaller hospital, too. It was on a skeleton crew. Yeah. So... I sat in the lobby almost the entire day, and Kara was in the back way more than I was. And I counted people 
that walked through the lobby not that day. <laughs> and uh, I think seven, like, not I didn't count the nurses, but seven other people came into the hospital the entire day hmm. from early in the morning until right up to midnight. Yeah. Seven I'm people. trying to think back, and I think back in the birthing area, I think all, the only people I remember seeing were staff and you know, us, the birth mom, Bonnie, and yep. the people from the adoption center. Yep. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. It, then it snowed on her first two birthdays it also. Did. Yeah, she's our like Heavily. for snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's our snow Bonnie instead of snow bunny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the questions that I have, but is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up for the day? I think for me, if you're even thinking that adoption would be good for y'all, just look into it and know that it is something that you can do. It's not an impossible thing. I think a lot of people are like, we just can't do it, we just can't afford it, or we don't even know how to do it. It's not It's not as hard, I don't guess, as what we thought it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it very much was within our grasp. If, you know. Yeah, nobody's look. Nobody out there that loves these kids is looking to keep you from adopting. Right. <laughs> well, know, that's what they told us. They're, you don't have to win the lottery for, to do it. To make families, yeah. you know, that's what they're that's what yeah. they're wanting. They want homes for these children. You know. Yeah. Well, and I was, I've shared it with our church here. I saw the statistic the other day, and and I, I was blown away by it. But if one family from half the churches in the United States were to adopt. There'll be no more kids in the U.S. waiting for adoption. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that's not not one family out of every church, one family out of every two churches. Yeah. So have so we can do it. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and and if we want, if we say, and I said this, you know, because I got the guilt put on me a lot through the process, so I'm putting it on you guys, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, I'm very pro-life. You know, but I heard somebody say at a banquet a few months ago that if all you do is vote against abortion, you're not pro-life. You just prefer life. Right. To be pro-life, you actually have to do something about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. maybe you can adopt and adoption isn't for everybody. Right. But you can certainly help somebody in some way Yes. Uh, to go through the process. Yeah. But yeah, like Kara said, if you're even considering it, just start looking into it. Yeah. Uh, there's no com- no commitment to just look into it or attend a meeting or a seminar. Talk to somebody who's been through it, you know. I mean, yeah, but go ahead and look look into it. It's a good thing. We actually were able to um, help another couple, another family um, mm-hmm. in East Texas. They had a lot of questions, and they came to us. And they actually went through the um, Texas Baptist home right after us. Twice. Twice, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. So, you know, talk to somebody who's done it, you know. That's what we can say. All right. Well, that about wraps up our show for today. That's going to do it for the Back Row Rewind this wonderful Thursday morning. We hope you have a fantastic weekend coming up. We'll be back with another Rewind next Thursday and new Back Row Morning Shows next Monday through Wednesday. So be there or be square. Remember, Jesus loves you, nerd. Show at 8 a.m. and again at 10 a.m. Eastern Time.